on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, Oh, what's happening in Mohawk Valley? Now heard on 96.5 FM. So make sure you're listening out there if you're in the Mohawk Valley or listen wherever you go, whatever you do on the ESPN app. It's an app. You download it. You find the Listen tab. You find us. And off you go into the snowy world. We will accompany you on that adventure, wherever you are. Maybe you're listening out of town. Maybe you're going out of town. Maybe you're just finding yourself in a peaceful, tranquil moment at the top of Mount Everest. I have no idea if it works up there, but you should try that if you do that. So the app is a beautiful thing because it's on your phone. It goes with you, and you can listen to us wherever that shall be, except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. Here's how you get in touch with the show today, 437-7644. You can tweet me, Brent Axe Media. You can hit the On the Block text line to fire off those hot takes throughout the program. That's hot. 288-0644. All great ways to participate. We have one guest who will join us today, my good friend and professor of all things sports media. Brian Moritz will join us. We like to check in on the world of sports media once in a while. Ratings, trends, who are the 14 sports writers who joined The Athletic this week. A lot to discuss on that front, and we will do that with the professor coming up here this hour, about 4.20. He has a great website. It's called sportsmediaguide.com. He's a terrific follow on Twitter. He's a professor of practice at Oswego State University. So plenty to get into with the professor coming up. So you're telling me Dino Babers is not the coach of the year? Uh Uh-huh. Does Syracuse basketball have a must-win in November, as dumb as that sounds to say? I don't think that's entirely wrong. We will get into that and so much more throughout the program. Tuesday, top fives, hot takes as usual, and whatever you have, bring it, kids. We're ready for you. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, and the text line is 288 0644. So let me get this straight. Dino Babers takes a perennial program. I want to phrase this correctly because that wouldn't be entirely accurate. Let's just say a, to steal a phrase from an old television show, a 
football program that was in a bit of a down cycle. How about that? How about that, right? Syracuse football certainly has the historical aspect, the 44, recent history with McNabb, and, you know, just crunch everything you know about Syracuse football kind of into a sandwich. And at least it has some significance. Even players that are in the National Football League now or have been there recently, Chandler Jones leads the NFL in sacks, went to Syracuse, right? There's a lot of Syracuse football pride out there. They have one of the highest rates of players in the Professional Football Hall of Fame. And you don't need me to tell you this. You know this stuff. But recently, as of before this season, consecutive four and eight years, bowl games here and there at the Pinstripe Bowl and the Texas Bowl and one of the worst era Syracuse football has ever gone through from 2005 to 2008, had not been in a bowl game since 2001 and not been ranked since 2001. Every trend that was broken this year by Dino Babers and his team seemed to complete the sentence since 2001, right? He got 22 votes to be the coach of the year which sounds like a lot, which sounds like good for you, which sounds like that's enough to win. But see, the problem with that is that Dabo Swinney, he of Clemson, got 27. Okay. Now here's the thing. I always like it when I come on this radio show and say something along the lines of, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to go too in-depth into, spend a lot of time on, et cetera, et cetera, about a certain thing. And then a day later, I get proven wrong. Because what I said on the show yesterday when the All-ACC team came out and one Eric Dungy was the third team quarterback behind Ryan Finley of NC State, behind Trevor Lawrence, of Clemson, even though I would think we'd all agree Eric Dungy was more important to his team than those quarterbacks were to his, had the numbers, had the dual threat capability. Oh, he actually beat one of those quarterbacks on the field in Ryan Finley and didn't get the opportunity to beat Trevor Lawrence because he got knocked out of that game early, but came within a fourth quarter play of beating Clemson. Okay, you want to say Eric Dungy's the third team all ACC quarterback, okay. I mean, at least you remembered to vote for him for something. And Syracuse had the third most amount of players on said all-ACC team. You got to take that. Given recent history, some of which I just referenced, like beggars can't be choosers here. We can't complain that you only put 11 players on that team. Like Syracuse football used to only get the punter on that team. And I'm not talking about... A long time ago. I'm talking about like last year, okay? So the fact that they got 11 players on that team overall is a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay. So I said that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, here's the ACC team. And Seth mentioned it in his update and whatever. I don't get upset about these things. I don't go into too in-depth to MVPs. I don't go into too in-depth into the Cy Young Award and the Gold Glove Award and The only awards I really want to argue with people about, honestly, are the Oscars. And I don't see most of those movies anyway, but occasionally I I do get into an argument such as that. Okay. So here we are a day later, and this is the problem with the word assume, right? 
Because the first three letters of that are what? Yes, you can make an ass out of yourself by assuming things. But I did, under the assumption, think that Dino was going to win Coach of the Year from the same collective group that votes for a set award, right? Okay. Well, he didn't win. Dabo Swinney of Clemson got 27 votes. Dino got 22. Now, see, again, this is where beggars can't be choosers. And this is, uh, Dabo Swinney went 12-0 and at Clemson. I don't care that Clemson is at this position where they are like Alabama in that they just, they do not, what's the, the expression? They do not rebuild, they reload. They simply just put more bullets in the gun that are four- and five-star players, mostly five-star guys, and move on, can change quarterbacks within the season from one quarterback who won you a national championship and is one of the best quarterbacks in college football to Trevor Lawrence, the best recruit, the number one overall prospect, and a guy who was pretty good himself. Second team, all ACC over Eric Dungy, right? These are the benefits you have. These are the good problems you have when you are Dabo Swinney, when you are Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, who also made a quarterback change, that Nick Saban had to do at Alabama, that Syracuse contemplated one week, right? Like, this is the sign of a good program when you have such depth at the most important position in football that you can make that change. I'm not going to hold that against Dabo Swinney, much like I didn't hold it against Joe Torrey because he had those loaded Yankee teams, or Phil Jackson because he had those loaded Laker or Chicago Bulls teams. Like, being a great coach like Saban, like Dabo Swinney, like I think Urban Meyer is a horrible human being in a lot of ways, but he's a hell of a football coach. To be there and be consistent, to be John Calipari at Kentucky and attract talent year in and year out, using the system to your advantage to make sure you get the best of the crop of one-and-done players. What Mike Krzyzewski does at Duke, I mean, fill in the blank here. Anybody that says it's easy and anybody that says I can do that, Dumb. you're an idiot. No, you can't. It takes work. It takes a lot of things that I could list here to remain at that level that they're at. Okay, that's great. But Dabo Swinney is in a position where over the course of a decade, he could win this seven or eight times and you really wouldn't argue too much against it. But I think considering where Syracuse had been, the fact that you can point at the success of Syracuse football this year, and a big part of that is what Dino Babers is doing, building, recruiting, coaching, decision-making. The list goes on and on. Thanks, Brent. You're very welcome, Coach. Points at the head coach. Are there other factors involved? Of course, right? The coach takes all the credit when things are good and all the blame when they are bad, much like the quarterback does. That comes with the hot seat. It comes with that territory. One would think you would look at this and say, well, here's what Dabo did with this team, and here's what Dino did with that team, a team that a year ago, yes, was more competitive, but still went 4-8. and eight. I think some people look at it and say, well, that team stayed healthy when Eric Dungy played, the improvements that they made. I think they look at the, I'm not saying they're right, by the way, but I think they look at it and say, oh, well, Florida State was down, and uh, okay, let's just give it to Dabo, right? 
But then you look on that list and like Pat Narduzzi got votes. You don't you do not win coach of the year if you go seven and five. I'm sorry, you don't. I know that Pitt is in the ACC title game and good for them. They're gonna lose by 30 to Clemson. Congratulations. Maybe they'll only lose by 20 because Clemson's not gonna care. They just want to maintain their spot in the college football playoff. They'll put up enough points to have enough of a separation and call off the dogs, right? But Pat Narduzzi's not the coach of the year this year. You don't get coach of the year for going 7-5. and five. I'm sorry you don't. So how did he get votes? And then I'm seeing votes for, let's just pull it up here, right? So you got Dabo got 27, Dino got 22, Narduzzi got 9. Steve Adazio? Who voted for Steve Adazio? One vote. How is he on this list of names the coach of the year at Boston College? There are people at Boston College that want him on the hot seat because they went 7-5 and five again. Who voted for that guy? Virginia had a great year, but Bronco Mendenhall does not top Dino or Dabo. Right? Like, what are you people watching? Who gets to vote on this thing? So Dabble won by five votes. Was it that close? I mean, he did beat Syracuse. I know how close that game was. I know what happened. I know the quarterback that was out of circumstances of it as you do. Right? Clemson won the game. You can woulda, coulda, shoulda it all day. Clemson won the game. Clemson went undefeated, which, again, even with the advantages that they have earned, and I will use the word earned, it's not easy to go 12-0 in college football. Anybody that says that is, I cannot process how much of a moron you are. Obama just gets all the best players, so of course they go undefeated. It just tells me you don't watch football. You just don't get it. The word is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. That's all well and good. But I think this is a year when you can look at things and say, what did they do there? What did they do at Syracuse? And I think you can at least say, Dino gets it this year, right? I hope that this is a continuous conversation. I hope that Dino Babers has put Syracuse in a position where he can be in this conversation with Dabo every year. Now, this is the year that you reward a five win jump over last season. This is the year that you look at it and say, didn't he make the difference? Because the answer to that is yes, yes it is. So I still don't get that upset about these things because in, in the grand scheme of life, what does it really mean? But I spent more time on this award than I would on really anything else because I made the mistake. The mistake we can never make in the sports world, and that is to assume something. Never assume that something will come to fruition in sports. Usually that comes to an outcome on a field played between two teams. I felt a little better assuming that Dino was going to win coach of the year because I thought it was that obvious, but apparently I'm wrong. Now, Brent gets a vote in the AP coach of the year, and I would just love it if Let's say Dino won that and didn't even win ACC Coach of the Year. I don't think he will. I think Brian Kelly is going to win the AP Coach of the Year. He's probably who's going to get my vote, honestly. I get to vote for a top three. And Dino Babers and Brian Kelly, I think, 
will be in that top three in some order. I think you got to put Mike Leach in there from Washington State, and you know we could have these debates about Coach of the Year, which comes down to did you take a great team and, and not screw it up, or did you really coach a team up? Sometimes that's the definition of coaching. So, Okay, fine. Yeah, you know, Derek Dungey's the 13 quarterback. Dino's not coach of the year. Let me tell you what's not, though. It is not bias against Syracuse. Let's just, no. Don't let me open that can of worms. It is not that. That's the easy, lazy thing to say. It is not bias. How is it bias? Who dislikes Dino? This would be like if Bobby Petrino was in the mix for this award. There's bias there because no one likes him. Everybody likes Dino. So how's it bias? How's it Syracuse bias? They haven't been ranked since 2001. They've been off the map until this year. How is it bias? Like, it is not that. Every fan base thinks that the media or whoever you want to fill in that blank with is biased against them. Stop. Stop with the world's out to get me stuff. All right. Let's find out how the stock market did today. Let's talk to our buddy Brian Moritz coming up. Let's do some hot takes. Let's talk some Syracuse hoops. More on football as we kind of get away from the season and await the bowl game announcement. Big news in football tonight. We'll see who Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, how that's going to mix out for the four spot with one more week to go with conference championship games and a couple other games happening this weekend. We'll do all that coming up right now. Let's bring him on. Diamonds and Dogs time. Our man Lee Baldwin with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. A man I know that would vote for Dino Babers for Coach of the Year had he had a vote. Right, Lee? X-Men, of course. He yeah. is Coach. Although I would put in uh, Dan Hunt from Colgate. Good year there, too, right? So, oh, no question about it. But, but Dino deserves it. He right? deserves the ACC Coach of the Year. So, 17 years, right? Come so, on, man. Come on. You, come on. You know what's up. You know the deal. <laughs> How do we do on the market today? Well, what was up was the market for a second day in a row, and so we uh, we saw green today, and our diamond goes to uh, Microsoft, which is now the most valuable company in the world. They passed Apple as Apple is hurtling down from the trillion-dollar level. So um, well, I feel so bad for them. Come on. <laughs> Shed a tear. <laughs> You're crying right now. <laughs> our dog, uh, we're going to go with United Technologies after they announced they were – Splitting into three companies, the stock dropped 5%. But the good news is the carrier is back. Oh, that's good to hear. And so how did, uh, I was going to ask you about like Chevy and GM and that whole thing with the job announcements. Uh, How did that affect their stock price? I mean, uh, GM stock went straight up on the news, which is kind of sad. You lay off 14,000 people uh, before the holidays and your stock goes up three bucks. But uh um, we'll see if that's going to be uh, how that plays out. But uh, they're not selling enough of the certain brands of cars, right? So, uh, um, but sometimes that helps the stocks, unfortunately, for the people involved. Lee, thank you so much for the insight. As always, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. You got it, guys. Thank Lee you. Baldwin. You can find him at leebaldwin.com or stop on in Casanova, Utica, and make sure your portfolio has more diamonds than dogs. Let's break on that note. Our good friend Brian Moritz will talk some sports media topics with us next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, Jimmy. You know how to make me happy on a Tuesday. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. You're On the Block ESPN Radio. Maybe you've been along for the ride. Maybe you're just hopping on board either way. So happy you're here. 
7644 is the phone number. Don't forget the text line at 2880644, which I admittedly have not checked yet today. So we texted earlier and I didn't see it. Sorry about that. We'll check it a couple times during this hour to make up for it. Just text it again. On the Block is presented by the Chocolate Pizza Company. Oh, I just love saying those words. That's just a beautiful thing to say, right? Chocolate Pizza Company, but it's a great holiday gift. Who doesn't want something like this for the holidays? It's great for, can't think of something to get. Oh, man, I got Secret Santa. What am I going to get? Chocolate pizza, right? Something unique, something, oh, I don't want to give my wife the same old thing. I don't want to give my kids the same old thing. Chocolate pizza! Boom. I just took care of Christmas for you. You're welcome. Get over there, see my friends at the Chocolate Pizza Company for that truly unique Christmas gift and delicious Christmas gift at that. Always love gifts you can eat. Must win on November 28th. No, we're not talking about football. We're talking about basketball. Is it that crazy to suggest that Ohio State fits into that category? Now, full disclosure here. Um, you know how resistant I am to the mere suggestion of must win really any time of the year, let alone in November. I think it is one of the most overused things in sports because a must win to me indicates that there is some sort of do or die scenario here. If you do not win this game, you do not advance forward. If you do not win this game, your season is over, right? But it is not crazy to suggest given the world of college basketball that we live in today which is now a four-month process. This is not what it used to be in college basketball where you merely bide your time until conference play, and that's really what determines who gets in and out of a tournament. Given how often Syracuse has straddled the bubble recently, as recently as last year when they were the last team in, do you forget the -the over-the-top emotional reaction in the room when Syracuse merely was given a bid? To the tournament, they celebrated like they had all just been given chocolate pizzas, right? So putting Syracuse in this conversation is not crazy given last year, given the time they got in the tournament when maybe they really shouldn't have and the time they did not get in when they really should have. These were all in the last four years. We've seen how RPI has changed the analytics, the Ken Palm ratings, the quad system that's now into play. Maybe the NCAA, did you see these new net ratings that came out yesterday, which all it did was confuse people. And I saw this earlier today. Now, it should be duly noted here that Nate Silver, who is the author of this criticism, is also the author of, you know, how can I put this? He he didn't see Donald Trump coming, right? Like, that that. Until, like, real late? Yay, democracy. In the process when, you know, the, the trends were starting to go that way, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this is this is going to happen, right? Like, Nate Silver is supposed to predict these sort of things. Nate Silver, if you're not familiar, from 538, used to work at the New York Times, ESPN hired him, now I believe ABC has him. He is in, he is one of the most noted analytics guys, trends and polls, and, you know, he predicted the, I think, three elections before 2016 with an accuracy that was just scary, right? So he kind of became the face of, like, this this modern-day polling and prediction world and analytics, right? So, yeah, he botched that one. He's also written uh, The Signal and the Noise. Most of you know who he is, but in case you don't, 538.com, check it out, nerd out a little bit. 
So despite, you know, missing on 2016, Nate Silver still knows of what he speaks in the rankings analytics department. Here's what Nate Silver said about this net rating that came out yesterday, which is of note to Syracuse fans because Ohio State, who Syracuse plays tomorrow, is number one in this thing. Number one. This is Nate Silver. Quote, this is incompetently designed. It's worse than RPI, worse than the eye test. It could make a total bleep show of the NCAA tournament, and I edited myself there, for a couple years and cost the NCAA millions by devaluing its most valuable franchise. It's why you never want to design an algorithm by committee. Oh, well, tell me how you really feel there, Nate, right? Goes on to say this, the big problem seems to be that only one of the five components, not sure why there are five components instead of a cohesive rating, considers strength of schedule. So it rewards teams with good records against poor schedules. Probably won't get much better as the year goes along. His opening comment on this, retweeting the official NCAA March Madness, sirens blaring first ever net ratings out, Quote Nate Silver, these are the worst rankings I've ever seen in any sport, ever. NCAA needs to go completely back to the drawing board. Oh, I see. Well, Nate, come on, man, you're holding back on me. Can you really tell us how you feel about this, right? So that being noted, Syracuse plays the number one team in the... How did he put this? The worst ranking I have seen in any sport ever? Oh, goody. But I'll tell you what, the concept of Ohio State being that important of a game is not crazy for a few reasons, one of which I just gave you. Syracuse has been on the bubble the past few years, okay? It is not that crazy to suggest because Syracuse is in the hole, two non-conference games after what happened at Madison Square Garden. And as Mike Waters wrote about today and did a terrific job pointing out how important this game could be, even though it's only November, I can't see... How important was the Buffalo win a year ago? That was in December. So for those that don't feel that November and December games are not important anymore, you just haven't been paying attention to how the NCAA selection committee does things these days. These wins do matter. They do stack up. And if you are a bubble team, and I don't think Syracuse is going to be a bubble team again, but if you are, that's what gets you in and out. People start looking at your wins. They start looking at your resume. Right, And if you don't have a strong conference record, the thing they immediately go to is how'd you do a non-conference play? Where do they rank? Those quad one, quad two games, how'd you do? Right. So as Mike Waters points out, Syracuse has suffered three non-conference losses just six times in the last 27 years. In five of those years, Syracuse didn't go to the tournament. Syracuse went to the NIT in 2002, 2007, 2008, and 2017. In 2015, Syracuse lost four non-conference games before the school imposed a postseason ban in response to NCAA violations. The Orange finished that regular season 18-13, and 13, which would have made an NCAA bid unlikely. So there's the one year they didn't. The year that proved to be an exception was 2015-16. Syracuse had non-conference losses to Wisconsin, Georgetown, and St. John's. But the Orange still made its way into the tournament as a 10 seed, thanks to da-da-da-da-da-da, early wins over Texas A&M 
and Connecticut in the battle for Atlantis. You know what month those games took place in? This one, November. As Mike notes, Wednesday's game will be Syracuse's last chance at a win away from home against a non-conference opponent. You know what? I think this all kind of qualifies as a must-win. Or at the very least, a pretty important win. At the very least, like, more important than your average November 28th game. However you want to label it. This is a big one. You lose, that's three non-conference losses. It's your last shot at a non-conference win away from home, which we know is important in the eyes of the committee. And love them or hate them, the Doug Gottliebs of the world and the Vitals of the world and the college basketball analysts of the world will point at that and say, you didn't win away from home. And that is an important thing. So if you're going to brush it off and say, you can't say that it's only November, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention to recent trends that this team has gone through. I just read it to you a moment ago. Remember a few years ago when we were arguing for Syracuse to get into the tournament and the basis of the argument was what? Wins that they had in November at the battle for Atlantis because of the quality of opponents that they played. All four months matter. It's not just a two-horse or two-month race anymore, pardon me, in the ACC. What makes this more important than others is Ohio State's one in the net ranking, as ridiculous as Nate Silver thinks it is, it's still the NCAA's ranking system that they're going to be using. They're number 16 in the country. Not to mention, these are long-term effects. These are tournament resume builders. I think this team just needs a big win right now. Colgate, okay, great. You got back on track. You recovered from a hot Colgate team that shot the lights out in the first half from three-point range and then fell back down to earth in the second half. Tyus Battle was great. Frank Howard is back. O'Shea Brissett seemed to figure out, like, you know, maybe I should take it to the hoop a little bit more, right? This is an important win because it's a good, meaty, we beat a team better than us, favored over us, on-the-road type of game, type of win. Any way you want to come at me, this is an important game. It's not just, hey, that's this, this, this is cool, Ohio State, November, I'm in. No, this is a big game. This is a big game. Not just by, you know, the manufactured tournament that Syracuse happens to be in and, oh, look, it's Ohio State. No, this has become an important game because you did not take care of business in New York. You did not win an on-conference game of note with the opportunity to do so. So, boy, people are really going against things I believe in today. I'm not supposed to care about all ACC awards and, you know, MVPs and coaches of the year, but Dino Babers not getting coach of the year in the ACC is ludicrous. I'm sorry, it's ludicrous. I do not go to the must-win well often because, again, I think it is overused. It devalues the term, so when I... It, it's, you know, the boy who cried wolf. When there's actually a wolf in the room, if you've been saying, well, no, 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 this was a must-win too, you know, they're all must-wins in a way, but, you know, must-win, what's the consequence if you don't win it? Syracuse can lose this game and certainly still make the tournament if they have a huge run in the ACC, which I think they're capable of doing, but the trends show you that you lose three non-conference games, particularly three non-conference games away from home that you've got a lot of work to do. 
And is this a team that can overcome being put three games in the hole like that? The answer to that is yes. I think it is a team that could play its way into doing that. They certainly have time on their side in a way, but how important were Texas A&M in Connecticut in the battle for Atlantis? How important was Buffalo a year ago? It was in December. These things matter. They matter even more when you're at a bubble team. The way you play yourself out of this conversation is you kick ass in, in ACC play and make this a moot point. That is not a luxury Syracuse has had in recent years, as we just went over. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. You want to chime in? I think we'll hear from our friend Tom in Fremont before we take a break here. He wants to discuss some football here. What's up, Tom? Hey, X-Man. Based on these postseason awards, I guess we're still the newcomer ugly ducklings. You know, I just don't get it. Baber's coming in second, but I think the biggest injustice is Dungey being third on the all-ACC team. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, of course we're biased up here and we watch every game, every play, but I can think of three games that he absolutely dominated them. The first one against Western Michigan, the NC State game where he went head-to-head with Ryan Finley, and then the last game against Boston College. I mean, did, did any other quarterback in the ACC play like that? I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's a great prospect. He's, you know, he's got all the tools. He's going to be great, but he played on a really good team. So I, I just, I, I don't get I don't get how they come up with these uh, I don't think it's bias. It's more ignorance, Tom, because they're just not used to Syracuse being on these lists and having the success they've had. Usually you're like voting for the punter and that's it. I think the bigger one between the two, I can I can look at Trevor Lawrence's numbers, the team he plays for. I can look at Ryan Finley, the reputation he had coming in, matching those numbers and the type of quarterback he is. And thanks for the call, Tom. And I can at least look at Dungey and say, okay, I, I, I get that. The bigger one to me is Dino. Like, five-win jump over a year ago, taking a, a team that you know hasn't made a bowl game in 2001, has kind of garnered a reputation as being a bottom-rung team in the ACC, making them a nine-win team, taking Clemson to the brink. Yeah, they lost the game to Pittsburgh. They should have won, but every team loses a game. They should, they should win, you know, short of Clemson and Notre Dame and Alabama, right? But most teams drop a game in conference play like that, and a team that... Do I have to give you the resume? We know it. It's not bias. It's ignorance. It's just they have not had Syracuse on their radar, but Syracuse did enough to get on their radar this year. This is just lazy voters that are given this task and don't look at it the way they should. Is there some bias involved? I mean, everybody's biased in a certain way, but the bigger one between the two, I, I slightly disagree with you, is I think it's Dino. He was the clear coach of the year to me. Nothing against Dabo. He went undefeated. That's not easy to do, but if we're weighing who should get what, it should have been Dino. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. We'll break. We'll come back after this. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.